This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. So typically it's Calvisi with the hot takes here. And that's not what I'm saying is about to be a hot take, but I'm going to predict, gentlemen, that this is the week. Week six, by the way, for those keeping track in the great head coaching search of 2023, this is the week, Cal VC, that the position finally gets filled because it is the only position remaining in the NFL after the Colts fill their job. Can I do a substitution on the menu? Can I sub out the uh, hot take for a rant? Can I do that? A rant. A rant. Sure. Okay. Should Should I time this? Nobody, Gree, cares about the when. That's true. They care about the who. I mean, look at the head coaches who have been hired right now. Frank Reich, Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryans. Now Indy just named their head coach today. Does anybody remember and or care when they were hired? All that matters is who. Just get it. Just get the right guy. Get the right name. Nobody cares about the calendar. That's never thought about ever again. So you know, let's stop wasting time on that aspect of the hiring process. Well, and then you just worry about the results, Drew. Because and that we're not going to know. Yeah, there's one season, but if you get that coach that you hope is a five, six, multi-year head coach, that's what people care about. But in the now, it's like. Hey, we're waiting, and we're still waiting. Yeah, well, for coaches, right, it is the now, because that's how they have to live. There's no five, six years anymore in this business. It is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of business, and and rightfully so. So there's only one chair left to fill, and it's the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they wanted to be able to cast that wide net, as Paulie talked about when I was here two weeks ago, and they've done that. They've taken their time. They've been strategic. They've interviewed everybody. Some of the people that took these other jobs weren't as interested, obviously, in this one to see what was going to transpire. So they can now sit back as the season's ended and take everything in, be able to compare, contrast, and make the right decisions for the Arizona Cardinals right now. But also moving forward, as you said, there's got to be a plan in place. Some of these coaches, and it's not even necessarily these coaches that are going to be the figurehead, it's who are they bringing with them. What can they do to move the needle of, okay, who are the, you know, who's the offensive line coach? Who is going to be the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator? We've seen some of these assistants that were highly thought after within this organization leave. And and so now you're going to have to fill some of those roles. So there's a lot of moving pieces that need to be done. Uh, There's plenty of time to do it, but at the same time, time is of the essence because everybody is now working towards next year and they already have that in place. And so to your point, within the next couple of days, something should be set in stone so you know exactly what it's going to look like. You can set the draft board, you can get ready for the combine, you can start to prioritize free agent. So you need to be able to do all these things on top of getting in this building to keep these guys that are here around and motivated and excited be a presence within not only this building but within this city because this city has to be something that you can fall back on and say okay i'm proud to be a part of the arizona cardinals and this is a great city with a phenomenal fan base two weeks from today the scouting combine 
one month from tomorrow is the new league year, meaning the starts of free agency. The Cardinals have been reportedly linked to 12 different candidates. The latest name emerged on Super Bowl Sunday, Paul, and that is Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Second year on the job as far as the D.C. Previously, the defensive backs coach with the Colts has spent time with the Vikings, Titans, and Falcons. Also has some scouting background with him as well. But he was in the running for the Texans job before D'Amico Ryans got it. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. You might have seen him on video before you really knew who he was when he was driving up to the facility before the NFC Championship game, and there was a viral video where he rolled down his window because some of the fans, uh, they allowed him through. There was some big traffic jam, and so the cops brought through the Eagles defensive coordinator, and he rolled down his window, and he yelled out, we're going to bleeping gut these guys, talking about the 49ers. So he's definitely an intense dude. Fans, it was sort of a love-hate relationship. It was on Super Bowl media night before the Super Bowl, when they had the big media event, one of the Eagles beat writers asked him, asked Jonathan Gannon about why maybe some of the Eagles fans hadn't fully embraced him. And he told a story of him going into a restaurant, and in his words, he got dog cussed by some of the Eagles fans there when he was with his wife and kids, young kids. And he turned to his wife and he said, well, that's something. We've won five in a row. So it's the same Eagles fans who uh, booed the NFL Man of the Year, Dak Prescott, at the Super Bowl. Okay, I'm wondering, if he doesn't have a real, uh, shall we say, desire to maybe leave Philly fan behind, get some sunshine in more ways than one. But he's an interesting guy who's uh, really co- elevated up through the uh, coaching ranks. He had his uh, college football career cut short as a freshman, suffered a Bo Jackson hip injury. Ended his career. He was never the same and immediately went into coaching and was hired by Bobby Petrino 2007 as the youngest defensive quality control coach in the league at age 24. Was a scout, as you said, for a few years and then came back into coaching. Learned a lot from Mike Zimmer as well with their time together in Minnesota. Drew, what do you know, if anything, in your dealings and all your connections when you bring up when someone brings up the name Jonathan Gannon? You know, not a lot, to be honest with you. I think you look at the body of work and where he's been, and, and two very good organizations, right? Uh, I was in Indianapolis and and know the structure that's in place there, and you see the success he's had. The only thing that you would have some hesitation with is the guys that they had on that roster are not going to come with him. <laughs> Right, the the pass rushers and the number of sacks and what they did of setting that record and doing all these things. This, this the defense was sound. Uh, you're not going to be able to bring Darius Slay with you. You're not going to be able to do all these things. I think he takes on that Philly persona really, really well. This is a different type of fan base. This is a different atmosphere, as you're talking about. And Nick Sirianni did the same thing, right? He has ingratiated himself to that Philly culture, that East Coast guy. This is a whole different type of fan base. And saying that, I think the most important thing as far as being a head coach, and I've talked about it many times on this show, is you have to be a leader of men. You have to be able to have a plan in place. And when things aren't going correctly, can you rally the troops? Can you pull everybody back in and make them? buy into what's going on and he's been able to do that you saw some of the stuff that they've done and you've got to be able to weather some storms and do all of these things but uh, again this is a passing league this is understanding that it's going to go in that direction so somebody with familiarity there and then also maybe it's as far as the tutelage of a young Kyler Murray of helping him do that I remember when I was in Indianapolis with Chuck Pagano he used to sit in with us on Fridays and go over all of hey this is what to expect this is what's going on and for him to take the time because he sees it from a different lens from a 
from that to impart that wisdom on us of, well, you see, you know, this, this, the nickel corner right here, he's capped by the safety behind him, but you can see him start to cheat and he's getting depth. All of a sudden, you know, the pressure is coming from the other side. So when you get around defensive guys and defensive back coaches in particular, because that's going to tell you where the pressure is coming from, all of those things can add up on top of you don't have to sit in with defensive meetings anymore. You're not the defensive coordinator. You hired somebody else to do that job. You're just overseeing the entire picture of it. So that could be part of the thought process on top of, again, who is he bringing with him? Reportedly, Jonathan Gannon met with the Cardinals on Monday afternoon and is scheduled to again here today on this Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. So perhaps we'll know something at some point this week who that person will be. But with respects to Jonathan Gannon, he's been in the National Football League for upwards of 14, 15 seasons. Let's get a little bit more in-depth on who Gannon is, courtesy PhiladelphiaEagles.com. I've worked under a lot of really good people, I feel. I've learned a lot of different things. And um, so you just kind of piece that together as you go along. And, and the main thing, though, when I got here, I didn't drop a book on the table and say, hey, this is what we're running. So and if you actually ask the head coach, you know, when we first talked about this, when he interviewed me, it was, hey, what you know, what scheme are you going to run? And I said, I don't have a scheme. And I believe that you have to be adaptable. we got to figure out what our players can do. And then we got to put them in those situations as much as possible to utilize their strengths. And that's something, Paul, that Hassan Reddick postgame on Sunday after the Super Bowl loss brought up when asked about Gannon potentially leaving. Quote, he lets his players be who they are at the end of the day, and if he decides to leave, whomever's getting him, I think they have a great coach and someone the players will really take to, end quote. And you know what? Hassan Reddick knows from experience because he played for a former Cardinals head coach who was a former defensive coordinator who did have a scheme and only one scheme and didn't really adapt all that much so I like the sounds of that because every single roster is going to be different on every single team and guess what it's going to be different year to year so as you add and subtract pieces you're going to have to change accordingly so you want to have that sort of coordinator either side of the ball who isn't married to a single scheme you're going to do what's best suited for your roster you also want that sort of coach who's going to listen and take feedback from the players I know Drew just listening to guys and what they say they put a lot of stock in that they want to be heard they know okay not everything I suggest is going to be adapted or adopted but we want to have feedback we're out there between the lines exactly and I think that happens more on defense right it's reactionary so that's okay there because you have to put guys in a position to be successful but you also have to have a blueprint of who you are Right, I think if you look at some of these guys that come from different trees and who they learn from, they're going to rely on a foundation that's already in place. They're not going to be able to reinvent the wheel or the coverage because they can't teach it. And if they can't teach it, then they can't coach it or understand it or to be able to run it. Now, there are certain guys, again, especially as pass rushers, you want to give them the freedom to be able to do that, to be able to improvise on what's going on. Offensively, you have to have an identity of who you are. Are you going to be an RPO team? Are you going to be a downhill run team? Are you going to be a zone run scheme? Are you going to be a gap team? All of those things matter. Are you going to try and spread them out like Kyler Murray wants to do in college? That lends you to believe that you at least need to have an identity offensively because you are going to be the aggressor. You have to be able to go out there and, again, who they want to hire as an offensive coordinator is going to matter so much about the growth and development of Kyler Murray. Defensively, look, are you going to bring pressure? Are you going to do all of these things? Everybody in the NFL wants to be able to get pressure with four. 
that's the golden rule because sure. you get to drop seven in the coverage then. You don't have to do that. Vance did not have the luxury of being able to do that, so he had to bring more people to the party. When you bring more people to the party is when exposure happens, so you've got to be able to be solid on the back end. As good as our safeties were, our corners got exposed at times throughout the course of this year. So you've got to have a solid ability to teach what you want to do and have everybody work in unison on the back end. That's the biggest thing of what you can do as far as philosophically. It will change and adapt week to week of what you're doing defensively, but there has to be a blueprint of how you're going to proceed. And that blueprint then dictates a lot of your draft picks. Oh, yeah. That's how the GM works with the head coach. And we all heard Monty Austin-Fort say in his introductory news conference, in his opinion, having that complete organizational alignment in his words. And that's the most important relationship of any NFL organization between the head coach and the GM. And if the GM can find those pieces that the head coach wants to put into his blueprint, as you say, okay, now that's where one plus one equals three. You want that synergy between front office and coaching staff. More from Gannon. Again, PhiladelphiaEagles.com providing this sound. Does Gannon prefer man or zone? As far as the man and zone thing, you know, our, you know that that's going to be predicated by who we have and who we're playing. So I believe in playing different styles of defense. Uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I think we're really going to evaluate. Hey, what can our guys do? That's the first part of it. And then from there, who are we playing and what do we have to stop? Again, that sounds more like the adapting to whatever that week's opponent does, much like Bill Belichick. The defense. Yeah, you have a philosophy, Drew, but it will change dictated on what you do best versus what the opponent does best. Yeah, I mean, it's very well put. It sounds simplistic, but at the same time, you have to play the hand you're dealt, and that's the guys on your roster. You can try and change stuff over, but this first year, it might look vastly different. And if you try to get too draft-heavy, you're going to put guys in a position where they can't be successful. We saw it when this offense transitioned under Cliff Kingsbury, all these wide receivers they didn't last, right? They weren't capable of doing that at this level. Now, Jonathan Gannon's obviously a proven commodity in the NFL of what he wants to do defensively and bring that to the table, but you also can you can't put a ton of quarters in man-to-man coverage and rely on them. Darius Slay is capable of it, but we saw it in the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to go into scheme on why it happened, those touchdowns and everything like that. They changed and adapted. Everybody's like, well, you know, Jonathan Gannon got exposed because he didn't make any adjustments in man coverage. When those, it's, It looks like Star Wars out there when you've got Kadarius Tony running around and everybody's going full speed and sky more motions and all this stuff. They found the ability to do stuff. And again, if that guy wasn't open, somebody else is going to be open. You've got to be very careful, and that's why we saw a transition of not as many teams playing man-to-man on the goal line and you you think of the horror stories of Seattle they would spread you out and make you fit it into tight windows when you're playing man-to-man you can get rub rots you can do all these things and you've got to communicate on the fly when there's motion and if anything gets lost in translation you're going to see those type of touchdowns in the most important game of the year because that's the heat that Gannon's taking right now from Eagles Nation is that the same play design just they flipped it to the opposite side it was Tony and then it was Sky Moore and how much of that was on the defensive coordinator in your opinion the first one I think was because they were trying to rock and roll right they they have the ability because of their personnel that they can do different things you know with the guys that they have of feeling good of not just okay well our 
safeties aren't going to just stay back in coverage. So they truly rocked and rolled. And you saw Darius Slay communicating that he was going back to play free safety. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was rotating down. That was the first touchdown. The second touchdown, he was just trying to pass it off to the corner because as soon as you snap the ball, and it all depends on the snap point, who is number one, that's who you take. So they were trying to pass that one off. They just didn't get to it in time. So two very different things, even though people on ESPN were trying to break it down a different way or talk about it a different way. Those were two different things. They tried to make an adjustment. Again, it just happened so fast on the goal line. So not not all on Jonathan Gannon. Um, you know, the fact that they didn't punt in the second half might be more on Jonathan Gannon, yeah. but not not the, the goal line red zone stuff because that again happened so fast. Well keep in mind it was an Eagles defense that we talked about those two weeks leading to the Super Bowl that led the league in sacks. Now you gotta be able to get pressure with Hopefully four, but to your point, Drew, if you're bringing more, then that suffers on the back end. Gannon again, reportedly a candidate for the Cardinals coaching job. He also was a finalist for the Texans job this past year. A year ago, he interviewed for the Vikings and Broncos openings. Obviously did not get that, but two seasons as defensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles, potentially maybe the next head coach of your Arizona Cardinals. There are other names still out and about in addition to Gannon, Luana Rumo, Mike Kafka. Those are the names that are still being bandied about. Do we get that new head coach this week? Remember, it's been a while since head coach Cliff Kingsbury has been fired. January 9th was the date. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The main thing for us is it's not what we play, it's how we play. We're going to run to the ball. We're going to out-hit people, we're going to take it away, and we're going to be smart. Those four things, hustle, intensity, take away, smart, the acronym for that is the HITS principle, and that's what we're going to hold our hat on. That is the voice of Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, courtesy PhiladelphiaEagles.com, reportedly linked to the Arizona Cardinals opening as head coach, reportedly in town or stayed in town after the Super Bowl to speak with the Cardinals on Monday. And according to reports early this morning, Gannon still in town talking with the Cardinals about potentially being the next head coach. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. I mentioned that there were 12 total candidates reportedly linked to the job. The only one we know that's been confirmed, and that was by owner Michael Bidwell, is Vance Joseph, who remains under contract to be defensive coordinator, whether that remains with the new head coach coming in, but we'll have to wait and see. The other question that has been talked about with this coaching search, you talked about not caring so much, Paul, about the length of time, but it has been something that the fan base has been talking about. But there's a good reason why not only Gannon, but Brian Callahan, those names were late in the process. Great job of reporting by Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, on going back a year ago, Monty Austin Ford had a list of coaching candidates he was curious about in the event he became a general manager. Well, Gannon was on that list. Callahan was on that list. By the time Monty was hired on January 16th, the window to interview those coaching candidates in the playoffs had already closed. So the Cardinals could not. They had to wait until those respective teams had been eliminated. That's why, after the Bengals lost, Callahan was interviewed. Eagles lose, Gannon gets interviewed. That's why it's taken this long more so than they don't know what they're doing. 
and it gives you a little insight into, okay, you know what, there probably is some serious traction just because Monty Austin Ford had previously identified Jonathan Gannon as an up-and-comer. Then when he put together his list of 10, three really stood out, and Gannon was one of those. So, okay, this isn't just because, oh, the Eagles spent the last week in the Cardinals facility, and, uh, you know, I bumped into him near the cafeteria. No, there's actually a history here. So it gives credence to at least some belief that, yeah, this is a serious candidate. You know, what we don't know, though, I think is the biggest question. Who exactly would be his offensive coordinator? Now, there's reports out there that a name to watch would be the Browns quarterback's coach, Drew Petzing. They work together in Minnesota. But you tell me, Drew, if I'm the decision makers and I'm up in that room and I have two defensive, you know, minded head coach candidates, who they're going to bring in to run the offense, I, that is a huge factor in making the final decision. I think it's it's instrumental, right? You've got to be able to look at what they've done. When you're identifying head coaching candidates, right, sometimes you got to get ahead of the curve and you got to be able to go out and get some of these guys like Jonathan Gannon that you might have identified last year, but he didn't maybe have all his ducks in a row, didn't have an offensive coordinator, didn't have a quarterback coach, whatever it is. Knowing that he was going to get another shot, I would be shocked if he didn't already have an exact idea of who he was bringing in, understanding they were going to come in, and how he can present that is going to make Kyler Murray better? How is he going to present that to make the Arizona Cardinals offense that much better? Because everything's going to start and stop with Kyler Murray. Whenever he comes back, what at any point in time, when he's finally 100% and he feels good to back, get back out on that field, does this offense fit what he does best? And that's really what you got to look at because you have to have a plan in place. And it might change. It might adapt over time. But you've got to be able to sit there and identify and say, okay, Kyler does these things well. These things in areas of growth, this is where I, myself, as the new offensive coordinator, can come in and take him to the next level to be the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Joe Burrows, the Jalen Hurts that still needs to go out and prove it for another couple of years type of guys before you say, okay, uh, yeah, well, you know what, this is my system and Kyler's going to run it. Right. Well, look, think about it. Houston doesn't have a quarterback. Carolina doesn't have a quarterback. Indianapolis doesn't have a quarterback. So if you're wondering, well, maybe it took a little extra time because every candidate that has come through, if they're not offensive minded, then they have to have their potential offensive coordinator. Oh, I don't know, maybe either meet with Kyler and or have an extended conversation to make sure there's a connection there and make sure maybe there's some chemistry and they're in sync. Yeah, I think that would be a valuable part of the process that's worth waiting for, at least in my opinion. Well, we heard Michael Bid will talk about players having input, not a say, but at least input and being involved in this process because the quarterback, the most important position on the field, you want that relationship and not coming in. Maybe there's not that immediate connection, but at least some familiarity before you start to get to work. Yeah, exactly. It has to be that way because, uh, you know, Paul was talking about what it means to be able to have the communication between the head coach and the general manager and the synergy, as you referred to it as, those are really important. And the next most important relationship is the offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach slash head coach and the quarterback because that is what's going to happen. And we see some of these veteran guys leave, J.J. Watts retiring, and I'm sure Michael picked his brand going out the door. I would, right? A guy that's been there, done that, seen it from a defensive perspective. And then you have the guys that are going to be here, uh, what that looks 
looks like. Uh, maybe have you know AJ Green make a call over to Cincinnati. What did everybody think of Lou when he was there? All of these things. You've got to be able to overturn every stone possible because it's a very important hire when you make this decision and you try to get ahead of the curve. Obviously, these guys were phenomenal coordinators in their own right. But then who, again, is the offensive coordinator that they're going to bring in to be able to build around Kyler Murray that he feels good about because that's everything, right? The quarterback play, the final four teams that were in every uh, uh, that we saw in the championship games, all of those quarterbacks were playing their best football come that time of year, and we have yet to see that from Kyler Murray late in the season. And it all begins and ends with Kyler Murray as far as where this franchise wants to go, and that is being in the Super Bowl like we saw with the Eagles and Chiefs. We'll talk about Super Bowl 57 as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. But right now, again, Jonathan Gannon, the latest name linked to the Cardinals head coaching job. More from him as he was mic'd up recently in minicamp. This audio courtesy PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Good pad level, Patrick. There you go. Low hat wins, Jacoby. All the drills you guys are doing, he's arming you with tools so you can hit the ball. So pay attention to the little details of that because that's the game within the game for you guys in the box. You know what I'm saying? The flow stack and track, the block destruction, your eyes going from here to there. That all matters so I don't get pinned or I don't rock back. All these drills that you're doing, he's giving you the tools to make plays in the court. Remember, in cover two, when they check it down in here, you're going to have a corner sprint tackling from outside in. So you want to have a good angle from your landmark to sprint tackle inside out. That's the cup. If you're too wide, now we got two outside the turn and we got all the space to cut back. You want to be like this with the corner. That's why your landmark's so important. Good match. Good match. Shoot it. Good match. That boy Zane. On top. On top. On top. Check his split out. On top. Jonathan Gannon mic'd up at a recent mini camp for the Philadelphia Eagles. You like what you hear, and it's something that we've talked about here recently. In fact, there's an entire coaching search whenever a new name gets popped up. Drew is the number of candidates with defense as their background as opposed to offense. Four of the 12 were of offensive philosophies, and now. You think about bringing in someone who has a defensive mindset. I thought you had a great description as far as how that could help a Kyler Murray, even though they don't have that offensive background. Yeah, well, and again, I think you look at the system of who the offensive coordinator is coming from. Everybody's been plucking from the Big of A tree for so long, or Shanahan, or all those things. This roster doesn't look like those rosters, so it's going to be hard to be able to do that. This quarterback does not look like those quarterbacks as far as what you're going to ask to do, play action under center, hand the ball off, ball control. You know, This is a type of thing that, that would lend you to believe it will be more like Cincinnati. They want to spread you out. They want to push the ball down the field. They want to throw the ball. They want to do all of these things. I think you look at what Philadelphia did, and, and depending on what transpires there, of their personnel was just elite from the standpoint they could run, they could pass, they could do all of these things because it went with the quarterback. Kyler has those type of traits. So 
both of these two hires make sense offensively if, if you're going to take somebody off of these teams uh, that has an understanding, at least from fundamentally what they want to do, that can play off of it, that's very important too. So again, both of these guys that have the capability of getting a job, and you throw Mike Kafka in there too because he has not officially been deemed out of the race, and these are three guys that all present different things of where they're coming at. Jonathan Gannon seems like a very young, vibrant guy that is going to get out there and motivate and do stuff. You know, Lou has been around for longer, but you you see what he did in turning a franchise around when they drafted Joe Burrow based off the mindset of the quarterback and pulling everybody along with him. So, again, there's so many pluses with any of these three guys that are left that they did a great job of taking their time because, again, you, you have were limited in your ability to interview these guys, but they were already on the list last year. So this makes a ton of sense, and your fact-checking really has helped me out for this show now <laughs> of understanding why I feel enlightened, so hopefully the fan base does. So it's a, this just in, the NFL is a copycat league, right? <laughs> Jonathan Gannon just watched two pretty elite seasons of quarterbacking by Jalen Hurts, especially this year, second-team All-Pro. I know when the Eagles came through, a lot of fans were wondering, oh, geez, why can't Kyler do a lot of what Jalen Hurts does? He's athletic. No, he's not a power lifter like Jalen Hurts. He's not going to get in there and squat 600 pounds. But when you watch the Eagles' offense, to what degree do you think the Cardinals can borrow and steal from what Jalen Hurts does and put that in the arsenal? for a Kyler Murray, especially if his next head coach comes from the Eagles. Yeah, well, I think they can do a good portion of it, but you need wide receivers that can do all these things. You saw the RPO spread them out capability that obviously these younger quarterbacks that are coming up now have run in college before. I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl. If there's a box count that's conducive to just kick the ball out to the slot or have run check answers, that's really important. Kyler's comfortable doing that. We know that. Kyler needs to get more comfortable getting under center. He's got to be able to do all of these things. And again, some of the some of it is winning one-on-one matchups. We saw that as well of you know going to get AJ Brown, drafting Devontae Smith high, yeah. having a reliable tight end in Dallas Goddard. They have many avenues they can go on top of having a stalwart type of offensive line. I mean, that offensive line is as good as it gets in the NFL. So what are they going to do as opposed to, unfortunately, the revolving door that existed here last year on the offensive line? You've got to be able to go get a center that can be that centerpiece. You feel good about left tackle, at least I do, knowing DJ that he's going to be back. But there's a lot of question marks there. There were zero question marks on that Eagles offensive line. I mean, they they missed collectively... Three. Three starts. Three starts. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Cardinals so missed 300. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good fortune right yeah. there. So, you know, I, I think that plays into it as well. But, again, their offensive identity, because of Nick Sirianni, because of who they wanted to be, they lined up in fourth and one rugby style. And it's like you might as well just give them the first down. That's literally what it felt like the entire year. They jumped out to leads, and then you can bring four, and you can get after the quarterback because you can do that against everybody else even in the playoffs you know like they they were doing that to teams so that's the thing that's going to be interesting to see is that team played such complimentary football if Jonathan Gannon gets this job can he do that same thing here because we have not seen that complimentary football for a long time in the desert players matter health matters as well when we talk about successful teams i.e. the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles throwing the Cincinnati Bengals and there did not get to the Super Bowl but their defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo among the finalists reported finalists for this Cardinals head coaching position let's hear from the Bengals DC courtesy Bengals.com on what he likes to teach 
try to make sure that uh, the guys understand that what we're giving them and what we're trying to teach them, we're going to be passionate about it and take out and eliminate all the gray. So what, what, they're going to know exactly what their job responsibilities are and, and make sure we're paying attention to detail. Come on, put your eyes on your work. Find a receiver. Find a receiver. Three hard steps to the ball. We understand that the players are in tough situations, and so we want to make sure that, A, we're getting these guys to play as hard and as fast as possible, uh, getting them to play with great passion and getting them to play for each other. You step out on the field this year and you say to yourself, I am better than all these dudes that are lining up across from me. I'm faster than them, I'm tougher than them, I'm going to be smarter than them because I'm going to play with leverage and don't stress, ever. Curious, because we don't know much about Gannon and what he might do with this staff, but Paul, when you look at connections with Anarumo, he worked with Vance Joseph in Miami in 2016. That same year, Sean Jefferson was on the staff as the Mm. wide receivers coach. Sean Jefferson remains in the building, as does VJ. Could that kind of help, at least as far as some continuity on the offensive side? Absolutely. I think what also helps is if I'm Lou Anarumo, or Team Lou, and uh, I have my agent make one last call and say, uh, by the way, Arizona Cardinals, which defense looked better in the postseason against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City? My defense or the Eagles? And which defense has more talent? Which defense had more names and more Pro Bowlers he did a lot with a lot less, if you ask me. That's Cincinnati defense. So I don't. you have no idea what's going on in those meeting rooms. You know, I have no idea how they interview. You have no idea what their ultimate plan is. You don't know who their offensive coordinator might be, although there is a report out there. Clint Kubiak could be on the radar for Lou Anarumo, former Minnesota offensive coach. So we'll see. But, I mean, in terms of the postseason, the Bengals' defense showed pretty well against Patrick Mahomes, all told. It's been a tough for anyone against Patrick Mahomes on this playoff run and the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl 57 winners we'll talk about what happened Sunday at State Farm Stadium as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek your tickets great seats speaking of seats select or join the season ticket priority list and select your seats before the general public 2023 opponents Seahawks 49ers and Rams you got the Giants Cowboys Ravens Bengals and Falcons all visiting State Farm Stadium this coming season. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more information. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Hertz takes the snap. The Chiefs only rushing two on a delay. Clock is going to be out of time, and the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection, a big red reflection. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. That's how it sounded on Chiefs Radio. Mitch Holtis on the call. The Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl 57 winners. They beat the Eagles 38-35, their second championship in four seasons. And, oh, yeah, the third most watched television show of all time. Wow. 113 million tuned in to that game. 118, though, Paul, watched 
Rihanna at halftime. <laughs> Including my household. I was told to shut up more than once during the halftime show. So, yes, that's... Uh, and you know what? The most watched Super Bowl still remains the prior Super Bowl in the AZ, 2015. And I think the number was 115 million plus. So the last two Arizona Super Bowls have set the standard in terms of, of viewership. But how about Kansas City in that game? I mean, zero penalties. They allowed zero sacks. They had zero negative runs against arguably the best defensive front in the NFL. They played a pretty clean game, and especially in that second half when they could not be stopped. Yeah, four second-half possessions, four scores, including three touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes named the MVP, but you looked at what happened in the second half, Drew. Chiefs trailed by 10, 24-14 at halftime. Teams trailing by double digits at the break are now 2-26. and The Chiefs, the second team ever to rally from a double-digit halftime deficit. Yeah, well, it all was just up to them to be able to go out and do it, right? You, you felt that it was on tilt in that second quarter, right? If they could just kind of weather the storm because everything was going against Kansas City. You know, you're talking about a, a missed field goal off the upright. You know, a play call here, a DB not turning around or getting his hand on the football or, or just all these little things. Even, you know... Obviously, the, the controversial holding penalty at the end, but there was a third down and eight to Juju Smith-Schuster over the middle. I was like, clearly that has got to be defensive pass interference, and it wasn't. I was like, wow, they're just letting them play today. So you say that, but then you also talk about the best player on the planet right now, in my opinion, and he has something to prove. I, I said at the very beginning of the year when we watched him put on an absolute oh. spectacle week oh. one, he was on a different level. His mindset of what he is doing and what he's trying to accomplish. He's sick of hearing about Joe Burrow. He's sick of hearing about Josh Allen and everybody else. He is as good as it gets in this league as manufacturing things. He understands offenses and defenses, ins and outs, week to week. He knows how to get rid of the football. He knows how to buy time and space and throw from different platforms and do all these things. Ten points was not going to be enough. And as soon as they came out in that second half and went right down and scored right away, I was like, this is going to get very interesting very quickly. And you look at what he did, and his stats weren't sexy. They weren't anything. He was efficient. The best way to stop Patrick Mahomes is not let Patrick Mahomes be on the field. They did that in the first half. The second half was a completely different story, right? Much we think back to the game against Green Bay when Kyler was playing at such a high level. What did Green Bay do? They ran the ball. They methodically moved on. You go three and out. You go you know, four play drive, five play. You don't let somebody catch fire. You know, like the old NBA jams. You could probably do that voice, can't you, Paulie? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, you know, he's heating up. Well, Patrick Mahomes got on fire in the second half and did not look back. And, and that's really what the difference in the game was. Is And it was no, nothing against Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts played a phenomenal game. Stats-wise, was off the charts. I mean, as good as it gets in the Super Bowl. But when it is crunch time, when it comes down to the most important players making the most important plays, who is going to do that? I will never, ever bet against Patrick Mahomes. So you played with Tom Brady. Is Mahomes going to make a run at Tom Brady? It's, I mean, if he doesn't lose his love for the game, which he apparently is all in. He's a grinder. He's already been to three Super Bowls and he's won two. What's your expectation the rest of his career? Man, the sky's the limit for him, and I think it's unfair to put any expectations on any player of Tom Brady magnitude. But it's not just Tom Brady. It's those teams that they had there, right? It's the culture. It's the defense. It's the offense. It's the whole thing and who was in charge because there was a perfect marriage between head coach and quarterback in New England for so long, and they kept recreating, reinventing themselves. They're going to have to do that over time, right? Andy Reid 
there was some talk of retirement. I don't know why he would retire. Maybe he hands actual play calling duties over to B. Enemy and becomes a figurehead, kind of like B. A. was down in Tampa to take some stress off of himself, but still can be the overseer of all things. You've already paid him a lot of money, so you know paying Patrick Mahomes is not the issue anymore. That's what could become an issue for the Philadelphia Eagles. But if they keep drafting like Kansas City's been drafting, oh man, where they pull RB one out of round seven, Pacheco, they had three rookie DBs who are starting at the end of the year. If they keep drafting like that. That's how they continue to be dominant, in and, my opinion. Yeah, and Creed Humphreys, you you yeah. you can build a team so many different ways. Whatever they're going to do with Orlando Brown, but they drafted extremely well in the interior offensive line. You have Chris Jones, you've got Frank Clark, you've got guys. Uh, how do you say the guy's name from Purdue that I always ask you about? Carl Loftus. Yes, yep. Carl Loftus. Yep. So they're they're mixing and matching and staying relevant. So they're staying ahead of the curve in that aspect too. On top of having quality pieces at linebacker and you know exit Tyron Matthew bring in Justin Reed who I think is a phenomenal player they play young corners this year and they play those young corners stepped up to the challenge against that Cincinnati passing offense I mean they they did a tremendous job they looked a little overmatched in that fir, you know in the first half and what does Spags do he makes adjustments he goes to more zone he gets them off of the press man and that they were getting bullied against AJ Brown so these guys that they have the experience now too that they can just kind of keep churning and keep doing things so Kansas City I mean it doesn't. There's way more than just a quarterback being able to will a team to that many Super Bowl wins. It is a, a whole organizational decision making on how they proceed and adapt each and every year. But Kansas City is on the right track, as good as anybody right now. And if I'm picking teams for next year, they're my first pick. It's hard to go against Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and just what they did in free agency, the draft, the midseason acquisition of Kadarius Tony, who had a huge punt return, the longest in Super Bowl history that set up one of those second half scores. So everything went well for the Chiefs in the second half. And they are celebrating second championship in four seasons. By the way, Mahomes, you talked about six seasons in the league, five as a starter. Every year as a starting quarterback, he has played in the AFC championship game three times in the Super Bowl. And what happened last year when they didn't make the Super Bowl? They fixed the offensive line. And right after everything is installed with the Cardinals, I think that is the priority, especially with a franchise quarterback like Kyler Murray. And that Chiefs O-line allowed zero sacks, just five quarterback hits against the league's number one pass rush on Sunday. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. In 1972, Conrad Francis Dover was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. And he scratched, clawed, bit, and leg whipped his way through the NFL. You know, a lot of people have talked about uh, the leg whips and things like this, but uh, I always thought we should have gotten points for that because I thought those were great athletic moves. But to be mobile and to be athletic like that, I think uh, I thought those were classical moves. But, you know, everyone accused me of this fighting stuff. But I've asked many, many people, if someone puts his fingers in your mouth in the field of combat, what, what are you going to do? I don't know if I ever really broke rules. I think that I was a master at playing in the gray area of every rule ever made. Sports Illustrated once called him the NFL's dirtiest player. 
Conrad Dobler, three-time Pro Bowler, fifth-round draft pick of the Arizona Cardinals in 1972, passed away Monday at the age of 72. Those comments in there as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, courtesy NFL Films, owner Michael Bidwell about Dobler, quote, he was the kind of tough physical and fierce player that you love to line up with as a teammate and hate to line up against as an opponent, end quote. More on azcardinals.com. I always remember the Sports Illustrated cover, you know, Dobler, and then the the caption said NFL's dirtiest player, in his quote in there where he said, you know what, I'll do anything I can get away with to protect my quarterback. And I'm guessing, Drew, you'd like to have five of those guys every game day, right? That sort of mentality. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got excited hearing him talk. I was also hearing about the leg whips, and I was like, Tom Brady probably has something to say about that as well. (laughs) We celebrate Conrad Dobler and send our condolences as well to the Dobler family. As we wrap up this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report, some more on Super Bowl 57. We talked about the game, but the events surrounding the game, leading up to the game, Drew, I know you made a number of different appearances. There were several Cardinal players, alumni coming back into town or who are in town involved in a number of different events. Yeah, I mean, look, the Super Bowl is such a great week of activities, and it's a culmination of the season. People you know, flood the Valley, and the Valley does such a good job of being a gracious host. And it's spread out. It's not hard to get to. Uh, the weather was fantastic. Uh, going to different Super Bowls, being a part of different Super Bowls, this is the best city for a reason. And why it will continually come back here. The weather could not have been any better uh, with all of what went on. And being able to be a part of Make-A-Wish, I went to a Make-A-Wish event uh, with 30 different kids all throughout the United States, was remarkable. Uh, David Buster's uh, was gracious enough to host us over there in Tempe, and I got to see Carson and uh, Chris Johnson came out, Bertrand Berry, uh, Frank Sanders, Matt Prater. So just the overlap of really good people. Marcus Golden was out there. Frosty Rucker ho- hosted it, and for anybody that's been a Cardinals fan for a while knows how Frosty's smile can light up a room. Yep. And, and he was like, why aren't we doing more of this? You know, It was just <laughs> it's one of these things that I think we have this unbelievable platform to be able to be a part of it and make an impact and take a picture, sign an autograph, and do all these things. So we had a lot of fun out there, Dave and Buster's, and, and different things. I got a chance to go out to Waste Management, um, hosted by the Thunderbirds. They did a uh, putt-putt for Special Olympics, which is near and dear to my heart because that's part of the foundation that I have. So there's so many great things that the Super Bowl brings to it, and I was part of the host committee, and being able to impact this valley for the good beyond football is what it's all about. Tip of the cap to owner Michael Bidwell, Larry Fitzgerald, Jay Perry of the host committee, Commissioner Roger Goodell, on Wednesday during his annual commissioner press conference, praised the valley before the game had even happened, and then again Monday and the handoff from Arizona to Las Vegas. Yeah, all that combined with the weather, it was definitely a double ding. There's no doubt. I mean, that that's going to be a tough act to follow. Even for Las Vegas, that'll be a tough act to follow. And as Jay Perry said, we're ready for the next Super Bowl to come back to the Valley, whenever that may be. But we're ready for the next Arizona, head Cardinal, Arizona Cardinals head coach to be hired. Perhaps we'll have one by the time we meet again next week. For Drew Stanton, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.